This is Bill Marshall, author of The Horse Rode Me, an afterlife treatise on drug addiction and reality. This is session 10, the 12 steps, a different look. It would be helpful if uh, you read the previous sessions to understand what I'm saying here. 12 steps, a different look. Step one, we admit we are powerless over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. You are never powerless unless you believe you are powerless. What is it you believe drives everything you experience? This is where your power lies. If you believe you are a helpless victim of a drug, then you can absolutely count on that being true for you. As for your life being unmanageable, it is being perfectly managed by you. You might not like it, as I didn't like it, but it is you managing it. No one else is calling the shots for you. No soul, and certainly not God. It is all you, as soul, and as one. You may believe you have lost control of your life, but I assure you that there is purpose in what you have created for yourself. Now, when I tell you that your beliefs drive your experience, I am referring to beliefs without any doubt. If you say, I believe I can fly and jump out of a plane without a chute, I assure you that you will be joining me here very shortly. It is on your beliefs that you must work. Step two, I came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Now, step one, right off the bat, asks you to believe, which you probably already do, that you are powerless. Sure, you believe you have the power over some things in your life, but certainly not all things, and certainly not heroin. You have the power to turn your vehicle right or left, but it wasn't you that chose to have a front wheel blowout at 70 miles per hour. Maybe it was God, or maybe it was bad luck, but it sure as hell wasn't you. Step two continues to take away your power by placing it in a higher power's hands, or worse, in shit happens hands. Accidents and luck, whether good or bad, is controlled by someone or something else in your current beliefs. You have been taught this from your earliest days. Despite what you currently think about yourself, you are sane. You simply don't know who you are. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. If you can imagine a bigger God than the one you currently imagine, don't you think that God can top your imagination? The way you currently conceive of your God is based on a prior and even stronger belief that you are a separate being stuck on a planet that came together by way of happenstance. Trust me when I tell you that sitting back and allowing God to run your life is not going to work. You have created God in your own image and not in the reverse. God, or one, as I now prefer to call God, has given you free will. You have given yourself free will, 
one is not a puppet master. Any changes in your life are because of you. You just don't realize you are the cause. Having said that, you are all connected, and as you change your beliefs about yourself, you will draw to you the reflection of that change. Thank your conception of God if you wish, but more importantly, thank yourself, for you are your conception of God. Everything will respond to your appreciation of self. Everything you believe to be true will be reflected to you. Step 4. Made a searching and moral inventory of ourselves. This is something you all should be doing on a regular basis. But the moral inventory should be based on your individual inner guidelines and what it is you believe. What is moral for you may not be necessarily moral for anyone else. If you are religious and have accepted your religion's version of morality, there is nothing wrong with this. The introspection then would be about how you have broken those individual guidelines. With that introspection should come non-judgment, not only of yourself, but an understanding that you as soul does not judge either. Soul also does not judge anyone else. You may actually find that you do not hold all of your religion's teachings as part of your own list of guidelines. For instance, many religions consider abortion and homosexuality to be sins against God. If you have had an abortion or are homosexual, you may not hold this teaching as an individual guideline. If you do hold them, it will be difficult to accept yourself under any conditions. Any religious guideline that makes you judge yourself or another is probably not one of your inner guidelines. You can feel within you what your true guidelines are. Whether you do or do not hold these guidelines, the key is to understanding that they are yours and do not need to be adhered to by those that do not hold them. Therein lies acceptance, which includes non-judgment. Remember, you do not need to like that which you accept. You may not like that you have broken one or more of your guidelines, but you must accept without judgment that you did. Step 5. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. There are no wrongs. There are only choices. In the eyes of the culture in which you reside, however, there appears to you that there are wrongs. No other person knows the path you have chosen to explore as this version of you. You probably don't know either. But that is because you have not been paying attention to you. Your focus has been outward rather than inward. As an addict, you probably have done more things you didn't want to do than the average person. Guilt, as I stated, can be a killer. It takes your focus completely out of the now and casts it into the past. 
You have no power there. Remember, Anthony Hopkins does not judge Hannibal Lecter. Soul doesn't judge itself as you. Neither should you. If you didn't like something you did in the past, choose differently in the now. The now is all you have. If you desire to acknowledge the wrongs against your own guidelines, then do so. It will have a cathartic effect. But leave out the self-judgment. Acceptance does not need to include liking. It does, however, need to exclude judgment. Step 6. We are entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Is it any wonder that the 12 steps are less successful they are when they see you as crawling with defects? Anthony Hopkins no more sees Hannibal Lecter as flawed as Soul sees you. Split Genes and I are one. Your current conception of God is actually better defined as soul slash you. The real God is beyond conception. He is the twig that snaps when you step upon it. She is the water that bathes you and quenches your thirst. It is the universe that surrounds you. God is everything and no thing. God is the defect AA claims you have. I know that sounds strange, but if everything is God, then so are what we think of as defects. Step 7. Humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Shortcomings only exist in your mind, and because your mind actually expands God, there can be no shortcomings. This is not to say there are things you would like to change about yourself. That This is natural. It is called expansion. Even things you do that you believe diminishes you actually expands you. For you have now experienced something you have not experienced before. Notice the word humbly. God is not Caligula or Nero or Louis Fourteenth. If the God that you believe in has a tantrum over a lack of humility on your part, you might want to reformulate your concept of God. Make your God bigger. Don't wait until you get here. Step 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. When I was still with you and understood reality as you do, my list was as long as a giraffe's neck. Much of what I did under that thinking was emotional harm, although on occasion it was physical. I did not know that those I harmed got as much from me as I got from them. Remember, we all draw to each other exactly what we need in the moment, whether it be good or bad. Often you learn as much, if not more, from the bad as you do from the good. In any event, making amends can be of benefit, for it can assuage your feelings of guilt. If it makes you feel good, then do it. But include acceptance of yourself in the process. Step 9. 
may direct the men's to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Let's say you make amends to an individual who didn't know that you stole from them. Let's further assume that by doing so, they judge you. Now that you understand that by judging another, you judge yourself, you may want to rethink making your amends to this particular individual. The majority of you that are still breathing continue to judge when you are offended in one way or another. It is currently most likely that making amends will often solidify their belief that drug addicts are bad. If you are going to make amends, do it for yourself. You cannot choose what the person you make amends to will do, but you can choose what you will do. Hopefully, it will raise your sense of self-worth that both you and your culture had tried so hard to squash. Step 10. Continue to make personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. There's that word wrong again. If you stay present in the moment and simply take inventory of your surroundings, you'll be okay. Taking inventory of recent wrongs, whatever that is, engages your monkey mind and tosses you into the past. You can learn to be present in each moment. When you are, you will be consciously aware and thus be less likely to commit what you feel is a wrong. Here's what you might think about doing. Write down all the things you consider to be your inner guidelines. As an example, here are a few of mine. 1. Don't do to someone else what you don't want them to do to you. 2. Don't judge what you know nothing about. I struggled with this one many times. 3. Be kind. 4. Stand up for the underdog. I was pretty good at this one. 5. Encourage those I felt need encouragement. These are just a few. What I can tell you from my current perspective is that putting yourself first should be your primary guideline. By putting others before you is actually a devaluation of who you are. It's like saying, I am not worthy enough to put myself first. Having said that, when you finally come to a realization of your own value and worth, you will have no difficulty valuing others. Step 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. What, is re what it really comes down to is paying attention as His hers, its will for you is really yours. You made the decision to come into this world with a definite goal of exploring a particular issue or concept. Everything you have ever experienced has been by your own choice and in alignment 
with what you came here to explore. That you have traveled around the globe to cross the street is only because you have not paid attention to yourself and have ignored your inner senses. Maybe this is what your plan was all along. As long as you see yourself as a victim of others or of circumstances and then blame others and circumstances for your condition, you will never know the precise purpose of your visit here. You have the tools to know. You merely need to wake up to the reality of who you are. Step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. A spiritual awakening is an awakening to the knowledge of who you are. The rules you have been following are not the rules of the game you have agreed to participate in. Any rule that you follow that tells you that you are less than is a rule you must ditch. Any concept that says that the existence of the planet and you are merely happenstance should be ditched. This is the current materialist view. Any belief that says you are separate from everything else needs to be tossed in the trash heap. You are and always have been connected to everything. You are a pearl among pearls, a gem like no other. New heading, relapses. My father just finished listening to the popular podcast called Dopey, a great podcast for active in recovery and clean addicts. The book was finished. But the podcast triggered an impulse to my father, with my assist, to add this section right after my comments on the 12 steps. In the podcast, the guest was talking about long-term suboxone use as a valid addiction treatment and linked it to diabetes uh, using long-term insulin injections to manage their diabetes. The guests also linked relapses to those who have been cancer-free for years and then the cancer reappeared. I want to look at both cancer and dope relapses as motivators. The initial onset of both cancer and addiction as well as the relapses are actually motivators for change. If you can believe much of what I have to say here, particularly regarding creating all of your experience, you will get what I have to say about relapses as motivators. Under your current understanding of reality, you tell yourself that both cancer and addiction was not something you chose. It makes sense to you logically because what sane person would choose such things. Two things here to consider. One, the main directive of consciousness is to expand, and two, each of you comes into the world with a particular intent to explore. All of you get stuck and begin spinning your wheels. 
think of a hamster running on that circular wheel, running hard and getting nowhere. You have already given yourself more subtle motivators, but you paid no attention to them. Think of motivators as someone gently knocking on your door. He knows you're inside, but you ignore the knock. He knocks harder. Still you don't respond. Eventually, he breaks down the door. Breaking down the door can be likened to cancer, drug addiction, and relapses to both. I heard the softer motivators over and over prior to creating my own addiction and relapses, but ignored them. I had to get out the big guns. Cancer and addiction turns you around when crossing the street. Maybe you get a quarter of the way across around the globe before turning back to cross the street directly. Sometimes, like me, you travel a full globe to get across the street. Motivators require a change in life direction, especially those that break down the door to get your attention. They may change you for a while, but then you get in your stuck zone again and go deaf to the softer motivators. Relapses come from inattention and a refusal to move. Looking back on my life, I can see how much drug addiction expanded me in terms of opening me up and expanding my consciousness by way of acceptance, empathy, and compassion. Had I followed an early drive to acquire lots of money, I would have lived a life of unfulfilled action. Recall my first journal post. Dear Tooth Fairy, I lost my tooth and it did fall out, so you still have to give me the money. I suppose that should have been a clue. Those who have survived cancer and addiction will attest that their disease changed them in many positive ways. The sledgehammers are designed to crack you open. This is the end of session uh, 10. Next session, we'll be getting deeper into beliefs.